let's start this year by aligning ourselves with God's heart. Let's do that by starting with Scripture. So if you have your Bible this morning, go over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. So we're going to read verse 12 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4. And just to give you a heads up, if you want to cue up the next one in your Bible, you know, like do the little, if you have one of these little ribbon buddies in there, or if you want to like thumb it, you know, like stick the thumb, Matthew 7 is where we're going to go next. We're starting at Hebrews 4 and then Matthew 7, all right? Maybe that'll help some of you to maybe get ahead a little bit. See, I'm for you guys. I'm for you. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, If you've been in church for a little bit, maybe you've heard the scripture. Maybe you've heard the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a great text, and it's true. But if you actually back up and you read the whole context of this thing, this scripture is actually talking about the wrath of God. (laughs) That's a fun way to kick off the new year. This is actually what this scripture is talking about in context. He is giving a warning This is in the context of a warning given to the reader that God knows all and sees all. That's why in verse 13, he says, no creature is hidden from his sight. Like he's saying God sees all, and it's the word. And that word, we think oftentimes when we hear that, the word of God, it's talking about the Bible. And yes, the Bible does contain definitely the words of God. But in this context, he's speaking about the actual utterances of God himself saying the utterance, the words of God are alive, they're powerful, they're sharper than any two-edged sword, and they're discerning, it's dividing is what it's doing. It's bringing things to account, it's shedding the light on things, things that are correct and things that are incorrect, things that are done in darkness that can be brought to the light, the word of God. He's actively doing this to where his words are exposing. And so that's this concept in the scripture is for us to take heed. And he's for real. This is basically what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Listen, God is for real. Like his word, it's it's cutting away from the way I feel about things and what is actually true. Because sometimes our emotions try to dictate for us what is real in the moment. Because we feel something, we go, oh no, this is real. We'll have a fear. We'll have anxiety. We'll have depression. We'll have anger. We'll have all sorts of feelings and experience of various feelings. And we'll think, man, my reality is dictated and based on the fact that I feel a certain way. When in fact, here's the only truth about our feelings is that our feelings will often lie to us and we'll find out that something is actually true and our feelings have been leading us astray. We see this all the time happening in our lives where the enemy will use our feelings. And man, the word of God divides and it separates and it's sharp and it exposes things for our benefit, for the glory of God, 
and so that we will take God seriously at his word. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. Do you have your thumb in there? Or you have your little ribbon there? Yeah? Some of you are like, I've got the Bible on my phone. Well, hooray for you. Matthew 7. <laughs> I could get there faster. <laughs> Matthew 7. And verse 21. This is Jesus' words. Okay? Same, same concept. Same idea. All right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, look, context, he's speaking about the words he just said. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And so here's this story that again, if you've been around church very long, maybe Sunday school, you've sang a little song that goes along with this text about the wise man building his house on the rock and then the foolish man built his house on the sand. In this context, Jesus is talking about the same thing the writer of Hebrews is talking about. This idea of the wrath of God, this idea of the judgment of God. And that we need to make sure that we're hearing the words of God. Jesus said, the one who hears these words of mine will be like a wise man because there's going to come a day where people who thought that they were with God really were fooling themselves. People who thought they were doing things in the name of God were fooling themselves. And Jesus even said there's going to be people who say, oh, Lord, Lord, look at all the things that I did. And he's going to say, I don't know who you are. I, I don't, he said, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. He said, I don't know you. Man, that thought, when I think about the words of God and Jesus saying the words, listen and heed these words, it's a warning and it should cause us, as people who claim to know Christ, it should cause us to evaluate, man, where do I stand with God and where does my confidence rest? Where am I, am I confident in the things I've done in his name? Because if I'm just confident in the things I've done and the boxes I've checked, then he said, there's going to be people who said, I checked the box. I said, Lord, Lord, and I look at how many of the boxes I checked on the list. And he's like, I, I don't know who you are. He said, heed these words because the words of God are the ones that divide and separate. The words of God are the ones that expose. The words of God are the ones that are sharp, active, living. Over back in Hebrews, I just want to go back there just for a minute. Over in Hebrews 4, the writer says this. It says that the word of God is active it's living it's sharper than any two edged sword here's what it does it pierces to the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart it's discerning the thoughts and intentions of my heart so god knows where we stand with him but the question i want to ask us is that do we know god knows where we stand it's god is not confused okay God knows where we stand with him, but do we know? Do we know where we're at? Have we evaluated our heart? Have we allowed the word of God in our life to influence us to where we're taking heed, to where we're taking him seriously, to where we're going, Lord, 
I know that I belong to you, where I'm evaluating, where I'm asking myself, am I allowing the word of God to speak to me in that way? Am I allowing the word of God or am I just kind of ignoring it? Am I just kind of putting it off? Am I just kind of going, ah, yeah, the word of God is important, but he's given us his word so that it can help us to see our need for him so that it can give us the pathway to find him and it can give us the faith needed to follow him and believe in him and trust in him and then rest in his goodness. That's what the word of God does, but it's piercing, it's dividing, it's helping to get through all the noise of my self-righteousness. It's cutting through all the noise of all my pat myself on the back stuff. It's cutting through all of the stuff that I would, would want to just kind of be this one foot in, one foot out type of follower of Jesus because there is no such thing, but we fool ourselves into thinking that there is such a thing. And God himself says, my word is actually dividing against that kind of mentality. It's dividing against your feelings. It's dividing against your, 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 your intentions, your own thoughts, and it's helping you to see what is actually the pathway to God. It's helping you to see the gospel. It's helping you to see your need for Christ. It's helping you to see that before the good news is going to be really, really good, the bad news has to be really, really bad. And we don't like talking about the bad news, but the bad news is what makes the good news so good. It really is. Think about your favorite movie. Man, it probably gets really bad before it gets good, right? And then all of a sudden, Lassie comes home. <laughs> and you crying she's back she got little timmy out of the well but man we didn't know little timmy he was down there was anyone gonna get him and they did man right bring it a little closer to home we didn't know if 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 the baseball players are going to walk out of that cornfield right but Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Woof. Man, that resolution. But for the good news to be good, the, the, the bad news has to be bad, right? And so we see the bad news, the tension that that creates. And so when we think about the wrath of God, that, that's a scary thing, my friend, because here's what we have to understand about God. And we don't, we don't like to talk about God in this way. But God is a judge. He's the ultimate righteous and only perfect and holy judge. Man's judgment is flawed, right? Even the best of judges in a court system, their judgment is flawed. But God's judgment is not flawed. He is the righteous, holy judge. And he cannot let sin go unpunished because if there was sin, if there was a violation, and God just turned a blind eye to sin and just let it go and went, oh, I'm not going to deal with that then he wouldn't be a righteous and just judge no more than if you and I in our court system, if there was someone that committed an atrocity and we're like, this is terrible, this person created, it causes all this pain and this offense and this person needs to, you do the, you do the crime, you do the time. And then the judge goes, ah, I'm just gonna forget about that. We go, what a corrupt judge. Who's paying this guy off, right? That's what we would say in our system. So God in his justice could not let sin go unpunished but instead of you and I getting the punishment for the sin, another one came. One who had never sinned. One who did no wrong. One who caused no offense 
from sin. One who did not violate the righteous statutes of God. Actually, someone who fulfilled all the laws of God. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I actually came to show you what it looks like lived out. I came to fulfill the law. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could now be right in the eyes of God. That's the gospel, amen? He has spared and saved us from the wrath of God. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God toward our sin. We must understand this. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about this idea that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This, this is for our sake, Scripture says. This is the gospel. The gospel is what lets me know I am saved because another has gone in my place and now God remains just. God remains holy because sin was dealt with. Sin was punished. This is in, in, in uh, uh, seminarian terms maybe. Uh, this is called substitutionary atonement. Where Jesus, our substitute, goes and does what you and I couldn't do because we've already sinned. We've already broken God's law. And Jesus, the one who had never broken any of God's law, matter of fact, showed us and modeled for us what the kingdom looked like. He took the punishment for the sin you and I deserve. And the scripture says the wages of sin is death. So that means that that's what you get for sin. It ultimately leads to death. And, and, and it's not just about death in the sense of, you know, dying and there's a funeral and people are sad, like what we think. The word death actually really expands. It's talking about the separation between God and man. And death is that eternal separation from God and man. That's really the, the, the worst death, not just the passing from this life. It's actually the eternal separation. And Jesus took our place and then he died the death that was due for us. And in his death, he rose and defeated our final enemy. So now we are no longer eternally separated from God, but he has become the way, the truth, and the life. He has defeated sin. He has defeated death on the cross. And you and I get to enjoy that freedom as followers of Jesus. Amen. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So yes, when I hear about the wrath of God, it's, it's bad when I hear about this. But man, at the same time, when I think about where I stand, it's in Christ, and my hope rests in Christ, and I'm grounded in Christ, and whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who planted and built his house, his life, upon a solid rock. So when the judgment comes, when the wrath of God comes, and, and, and we use that scripture, you know, in Matthew 7, to talk about, oh, when life gets bad, when you got, you know, when people are talking about you, when you got, you know, bills, when you got a loss of a job, when you got, you know, sickness in your house, bad diagnosis, that then the storms come, build your house on the rock. That's true. That's true. That, yes, build your house on the rock in the storms of life. But in the context, he's talking about actually this idea of Lord, Lord. There will be many in that day who say, Lord, Lord. He's going to say, ah, I don't know who you are. And then he says, and whoever hears these words of mine, whoever heeds this word, whoever listens to this and takes this seriously, that person is going to be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. That's the concept here. 
is that we're anchored in the truth of the Word of God. That's why at BCC we say we start with Scripture. Scripture is our starting point. It's not just a core value of our church. It's got to be the core value of the Christian life. That we start with Scripture and we take heed to the words of God. That when we read something in Scripture, man, we we really want to take God seriously. Amen? We really want to take Him seriously because He's dividing He's dividing things in me. He's exposing things in me. He's highlighting things in me. That, and it's not for my harm. It's not for my destruction. Even if it stings, even if it hurts, even if there's pain involved, it's not for my destruction. It's for my good, and it's the grace of God at work. It's the grace of God that's not giving me what I deserve, what I've earned. It's instead me getting what I did not deserve, what I did not earn. And I thank God for that. Amen, church? That is the gospel, and I can rest in the gospel. And when I start with Scripture, it reveals where I stand with God. When I start with Scripture, if you want to know where do I stand with God, I need to look at Scripture, and I need to evaluate. And and Scripture says each one of us needs to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's the Word of God. We need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And I don't know about you, but when I start with Scripture and I see the gospel and I see what Christ has done for me and he tells me my role in this is to confess and to believe, that, that's too easy. <laughs> that, 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 I feel like I should have to do something, right? Is there like a payment plan? You know, it's like three easy payments, you know. What's the the deal here? What's the exchange? He said, no, just trust that what Christ did was sufficient. Believe, repent, receive Christ, receive him. Just like John the Baptist was saying, prepare the way, repent, prepare the way. Are we repenting? Have we repented? Have we prepared the way to receive the, the promised one, Jesus, the Messiah? Has he been received in our heart to where now we're actively trusting in him by living by faith? By allowing the word of God to continually sharpen us, cleanse us, sanctify us, help us to grow in learning what it is supposed to look like to live this life for the glory of God, to be able to leave a legacy that's going to impact the next generation beyond our lifetime, to be able to allow the gospel to so radically impact us that it literally alters all of our priorities and everything that we thought was once important. Everything that we thought once matters. Are we allowing the word of God to sharpen us in that way and the gospel to impact us in that way? This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. The word of God should drive us to cling to him as our hope. The word of God should drive us to cling to the cross of Christ. Amen? Not get complacent, not get comfortable. Not get upset about the color of paint that's painted in a church building. Not get upset about frivolous, silly things. But stay close to Christ and value the important priorities of heaven. That's what the scripture calls the Christian to do. Amen? The enemy wants to come and distract us. Because if the enemy can distract us, he can get us off of our purpose. The enemy wants to come and bring all of this noise to cause our attention to go elsewhere. And maybe there's a lot of noise going on in your life right now. Maybe the enemy has cranked up the volume on the noise and there's a bunch of static. 
can I tell you that it's a distraction from the enemy because he knows what God has gifted and called and created you to do is going to impact and influence eternity, and he wants to do everything he can to stop it. And so some of us get distracted with busyness, some of us get distracted with sin, some of us get distracted with uh, thoughts and ideas and worry and fear, and it's all a distraction because God has called you and created you for a purpose, and that's for his glory. Scripture reveals my sin. That's one of the things it does. It reveals where I stand with God. It reveals my sin. And you know what else Scripture reveals? <laughs> it reveals my unsuccessful attempts to fix sin and its effects on my own. Scripture shows me that, highlights that to me. Because when I look and I see, oh, my righteousness is filthy rags, and if I'm trying to boast in my works, that's not the gospel. Uh, the, 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 the Scripture highlights this to me. And it shows me my unsuccessful attempts to try to somehow reconcile with God in my own terms. It affects my heart. And scripture reveals Jesus Christ as the solution to my need for forgiveness, for redemption, for reconciliation with God. This whole concept is vital to understand. If we're going to be the type of people who are believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be grounded in this. This is that foundation. This is what the, 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 the church, the body of Christ is actually founded on. You remember when Jesus was with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi? You remember as Jesus was out there with his disciples that he began to ask them, who do men say that I am? And Peter spoke up. Because if you read the scripture, Peter always spoke up. And Peter said, oh man, like, like, like you're the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Others had said, well, maybe you're like Moses. People are saying that. Maybe you're like the second coming of Elijah. Some people are saying that. And Peter said, no, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said to him, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You're blessed because you understand this. He said, but my Father in heaven showed you this. He said, and upon this rock, upon this foundation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Oh, man. Upon what? Upon this revelation that you have just received from my Father. Upon this concept, upon this idea that Jesus is the promised one. That's what... This, that's what the whole idea of the body of Christ, the church, is built upon. The revelation that Jesus is the promised Messiah. This is vital for us to understand if we're going to believe in the gospel. Scripture is not self-help, okay? It's not self-help. Some people would put the Bible in the self-help section at Barnes & Noble. It, it's not this idea of self-help. It, it instead, listen... It reveals the path to eternal life and freedom. That's what it does. It reveals the pathway because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're not going to the scripture looking for like fortune cookie sayings and lucky lotto numbers. Like that's not, that's not why we go to the scripture. To find nuggets and little things for us to just move along and hop along in life. No, the scripture, it's God breathed. It's Holy Spirit inspired. And it shows us the pathway to live this life. 
and to live in godliness and to walk in the fear of the Lord and to walk in a way to honor and glorify God and a way and a path to sanctification as he's conforming us to the image of his son, as he's helping us to lay beside those weights that so easily beset us so that we can run with a passion and a fervor this race that he's called us to and we can finish well for the glory of God and impact eternity, amen? This is why we start with scripture. This is why we start with scripture. Here's our big idea for today. Starting with scripture leads to eternal freedom. It leads to eternal freedom. Someone who has heard Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Someone who has heard what has happened to them, their faith has been stirred. And then they believe Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your heart, if you, if you, I mean, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, right? This whole concept, this whole idea, trusting in the Lord, activating that faith that I heard. And now we obey the Great Commission, Matthew 28. It talks about going to all the world and make disciples. And it says, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the next part, sometimes we leave off teaching them to obey. You see, the scripture is not a great book of suggestions for you to consider. This is for us to obey. That's what being a disciple is all about, is walking in obedience to God and not doing it just because I'm supposed to, doing it because God has transformed my heart and now I want to serve him. I want to obey. I want to follow him. I want to walk in obedience. And because I've heard, because I've responded, now I obey. And then guess what happens next? Based on the word, starting with scripture, then we bear evidence of the Spirit of God living in them by faith. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, right? These are the evidences, the goodness that comes out of us is now Christ in me, the hope of glory. Because we started with Scripture. Because here's what happens when we start with Scripture. It's a pathway to freedom because that person has responded and is continually responding to taking heed to the Word of God. The very thing Hebrews 4 tells us to do. To take heed. To start with Scripture. They are starting with Scripture. And Scripture is the starting point for belief for obedience, for evidence of salvation, for sanctification, and for assurance in Christ alone. Scripture is the starting point for all of those things. That's where we start, and that's where we will also finish. So I want to ask you this morning, are you sure of where you stand with God? I asked you that question earlier because I said God knows where we stand with Him, but do you know? Are you sure where you stand? And how are you sure? If your answer is because my life is built upon the rock, I've trusted in his word, I've heeded to his sayings, I've placed my faith and my trust in him and my hope rests solely on Christ, then, then you're in good company. You can be assured, you can have peace, you can rest. But if you're still wrestling this morning, here in this room, if you're wrestling online, if you're wrestling and you're like, man, I, I, I don't know then I want you to know because there is a peace that will pass your understanding that comes when you have your faith and trust in Christ alone. There is a grace to this gospel. There is a peace to this gospel. You don't have to keep running. You don't have to keep wrestling because he's already won the victory. 
And he's already opened the door. It's wide open for you. He's wanting you to walk through. He's wanting you to trust. He's wanting you to trust in his word. And that Jesus himself is enough, that there's no other way. There's no other pathway. Jesus is not a pathway for you to consider. He is the way, the only way, the truth, the life. No man, scripture says, comes to the Father except by Jesus. He's it. And anybody that tells you anything otherwise is not building their faith on the solid rock of the word of God. There is no other pathway. Your works aren't going to get you there. Your good deeds, your karma is not going to get you there. You're trying to live a perfect life according to your own strength and your own efforts is not going to get you there. You praying to all these other different deities is not going to get you there. No, he is the only way. So are you sure? I want you to be today. I don't want you to leave this place. I don't want you to click off of this message today without being sure. So I want you to start with scripture and admit your sin. Admit your need for forgiveness and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, as the leader of your life. And then walk in obedience by declaring your faith through water baptism, by sharing your story with other people, by learning to obey from scripture, by getting in Christ-centered community as a disciple, by learning to walk in the freedom that he has already given you. And all of this, all of this starts with scripture. All of it. And so I want us to take a moment this morning to evaluate and respond. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up here and go ahead and get in position. And if you have a prayer need, or if you want to place your faith and trust in Christ, or if you have done that, you need to let someone know. Our prayer team would love to pray with you and encourage you and connect you with someone that can walk with you as a disciple. We're going to end our time together by receiving communion, and then we're going to sing a gospel hymn together at the end of this service. And so if you don't come up for prayer, I want you to pray where you're at. If you're with your family or a friend, I want you to pray for them. I want you to evaluate where you're at with Christ. Scripture said we need to examine ourselves before we receive the Lord's Supper. And so I want you to examine your heart. We're just going to take some moments of silence in the room while people are being ministered up here through prayer. If you want to come and be prayed for online, let us know your prayer needs. If you need prayer for anything or if you want to place your faith and trust in Christ, we want to be here to support you and pray for you. So let's take a few moments, church. Pray with your family. Pray by yourself. Prepare your heart. Pray with one of our prayer team members. Let's evaluate and let the Holy Spirit do the work in us.